Hello and welcome back to the California Candidates Report. I'm your host, Jared Schwass. We have another exciting episode for you today. We go back up to Mendocino County and we visit Daniel Morford of Heart Rock Mountain. We go up to his farm, we talk about what he's got growing, his heritage, the multi-generational farm that it is. We touch a little bit about the future of cannabis, the future of Mendocino, and we get his thoughts on where he thinks it's going to go. It's a great episode with a lot of good information for you. We talk a lot about his strains and what he's got growing right now. I hope you enjoy it. Come on, let's go up to Mendocino and see what's growing up in the mountains. Come on, let's go. Welcome to beautiful Mendocino County. I'm here with Daniel Morford from Heart Rock Mountain Farms. Daniel, thank you for inviting me up here. It's a beautiful place you got up here. Awesome. Glad to have you. Uh, and to give people some context, uh, so this is a multi-generational farm started by your father, Clifford. Can you give people a little bit of background of where we're at, the farm's history, and your experience, early experience in the cannabis industry? Yeah. Um Let's start with uh, where we are. We are on the northern end of, of the Middle Mountain Range in eastern Mendocino County in Potter Valley. So I would say, you know, someday maybe the Middle Mountain Appalachian. Hopefully. You know, yeah, I know, right? Um, uh, and let's start with uh, our founder, my, my father. You know, uh, he grew up in Watsonville and he was born in 1950. I guess he started saving seeds when he was a teenager and just bags that he would find. And I think in 76, he grew his first little crop in a greenhouse in Santa Cruz and, you know, grew more than he could smoke. And, you know, but that wasn't what drew him to Mendocino County. He was drawn to Mendocino County for like the back to the land movement, the um, class K cabins that you could come and, you know, up and off grid and build a home however you wanted to. And, you know. Awesome. Uh, so that's what landed him here. And then, when was that? Uh, Seventy-seven, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, this and you came up here to this this property. This property, yeah. Um, it was such a journey. It's a journey to get out there. I'll tell you guys that. Yeah. I mean, there's more remote places. Oh no, hundred percent, hundred percent. I agree. Uh, and a lot of that would, you know, a grader could save you off ten minutes on the road for sure. <laughs> um. Yeah, so he, you know, built a home and had a little garden, and, you know, uh, Mendocino County's always been more tolerant to cannabis. So. Yeah. I remember one of his stories, that he heard the sheriff on the radio saying that they're not going to mess with anybody under 50 plants. So he went out in the garden and cut two to make it 49. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's funny, you know, he thought in the very beginning that it was going to be legal that they were they couldn't let it go on like this they were going to have to regulate it and tax it but, you know 40 years later yes <laughs> it's some good foresight though yeah um and then yeah i was born here in mm -hmm. 1984 and um you know my older brother was kind of his garden helper mm -hmm. so i was kind of you know when and then when the medical days happened um 
I remember I graduated high school in 2002, and uh, my older brother's like, hey, Dan, you know, get your medical card, and then ask Dad if you could help us grow. <laughs> so, you know, I had, I had migraines, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty easy to get a medical card for anything. Yeah. And I got my medical card, and I was like, hey, Dad, can I help you guys grow? I got a medical card, and he's like, I got to talk to your brother, and... But my dad, the you know the deal was I'd have to go to college, so take class at Mindo and then help out the family business. And awesome. Um, yeah, went off to Santa Cruz after Mindo, and then I've been back here for I don't even know, going on ten years now, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So so you basically been born raised in the cannabis industry and doing it since you could can remember essentially. Yeah, and you know. Uh, my grandmother, too, and down at Old Topanga, she grew for a long time, too. I, awesome. I remember I was in high school, and she called me to see if I could come down mm-hmm. and help her harvest <laughs> this huge plant she had behind her house. And I'm like, sure, Nana. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fine. I'll come down there. And She had a 19-foot-tall plant behind her house. Like awesome. It was up to—you could see it. The second-story window was, like, right out there. <laughs> awesome. The little—you know, she's, like, 70s five at the time you You think she taught your dad something um i don't know if if, uh she taught him anything you know i think i don't think she you know but my dad you know he was the trial and error Mm. um age of you know like a lot of those people they didn't you know they there were some some books available maybe one or two and they you know um but they had you know bag seed from south america and uh mexico and you know, this isn't the best climate for that, but, you know, depending on the fall, you can pull that off. But what they did is they, they took the earliest flowering male and put that pollen right on the indicator hairs of something that wasn't even flowering, but that'll form a seed. And then they took those seeds and within a couple of generations that acclimated, you know, awesome uh, genetics from South America and Mexico. Oh, okay. And then... Cool. Um, one of the neighbors who was a freelance photographer did some high times work. He was in Colorado, and he met a guy who brought in indica from Afghanistan. Mm. And it was grown one generation in Colorado and then brought to this mountain as killer Colorado. <laughs> and, and then that was hybridized into uh, some of the South American, Mexican cultivars. Mm. And then my dad grew that for a long time. My older brother grew that with my dad for a long time. And then I guess it was my older brother who would, who brought in like the first designer cuts. I think it was like, you know, Blueberry Northern Lights. You know, there was a Jack Herrera and um, some Bubba Cushes. And uh, and then when I came on the scene, you know, we, yeah, we were growing some of the heritage stuff and bringing in some designer stuff and crossing in with that. And, and here we go. Awesome. Are you still growing heritage? Uh, just uh, straight heritage or no, you're doing a crosses? Um, just crosses now. Yeah. I mean, we do have some old stock that, you know, someday, but like these plants behind us is, um, this is our, um, some of these phenos smell just like that old mm. stuff that, you know, so I'm finding it again and, and, and breeding for it. To, awesome. The revival. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and we'll get it. We'll get uh, We'll dive deep into uh, the strains and what you're growing in your process. Uh, before we get into that, it's kind of getting through the uh, the not so friendly stuff, the not so nice stuff. Uh, I know this area and um, people, the especially multi-generational farmers, have experience with camp and law enforcement. Have you had any experience with that growing up? Um, yeah, I believe... Um I was a little kid, though. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, you know, and um, I think my dad had 25 plants that year. And, yeah, he was busted. Mm-hmm. Um, late 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but earlier that year, he was, along with other people, um, pictured on the front of the paper for the protestation of legalization of cannabis. And, they, you know, they drove past, hunt. you know, the story is neighbors down the road had 1,500 plants, and these guys drove right past them and got my dad with 25. Because is the story because because of that? Uh, well, that article? and uh, you know also, my dad you know did a decade for what is now Cal Fire, and that was the era also where they you know if you were a former you know state or government employee, uh, and then they found out you were growing, they didn't like it. Yeah. So they make an example, like former, you know, there was someone else in the valley who was a former law enforcement that, that got busted. And, you know, they like to go after, but not anymore. It's a little more, you know. But um, yeah, and, you know, uh, my older brother claimed PTSD. Yeah. Because he, he was older, he remembered more. I, I didn't really think anything of it until. We're growing a, a legal. We're, we're, we got a permit. We're growing here. Um, it must have been 2017 because I had a one-year-old, and I'm holding him in a bucket of cover crop seeds, and mm-hmm. I post the picture on Instagram, and and someone commented, "Oh, all smiles," and then it hit me, and then it hit me like you know this emotion that I didn't know that I had. I was like, "It is all smiles." Like he doesn't have to worry about like what me and my older brother were, my dad worried about like you know that. Hey, we don't know if we're going to see our crop come in. We don't know if we're going to go to jail. You know, we don't know if, you know, our way of life's going to, you know. Yeah. Uh, be taken from us. Yeah, that is, uh, you know, one benefit of the regulated, of it being regulated and legalized is you guys can come out of, the, people have referred to the green closet. You can come out of the green closet and be open about what you're doing and your livelihood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've had some of those coming out of the green closet moments where, you know, spend a day in the office, like, mailing stickers to people. <laughs> and and then, yeah, you know, in in some ways that, like, on one hand, uh, the cannabis plant has allowed us to have this freedom where we've been able to, you know, be outside of a broken system. But then, on the other hand, like, you, you had to lay low and sing softly, so you couldn't be outspoken for some of the things that we should be outspoken for that, you know, hopefully... You know, we can do that now. Um, and then, yeah, on the other hand, now we're in the system, and it's a broken system. And it's not, you know, people say, oh, you know, oh, corporations and cannabis. But it's like, no, it's corporations the whole world over, and they shit up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, they, <laughs> it's not just cannabis. No, it's, it's not just cannabis. Yeah, no. And the, cannabis might have been... Like the last outpost. Correct. Yeah. But, you know, and now that it's, you know, maybe now we can, it wouldn't take that long, you know, if we started fighting for the restoration of this beautiful planet that we're on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Other than, um, other than the being able to open up and be open about it and uh, coming out of that green closet, is there anything else that kind of pushed you toward the regulated market? Yeah, well, the biggest thing for me was the nursery license. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, Dad, we got to go legal. They're going to let us grow 5,000 square foot for seed production. Like, I've been waiting my whole life for that, you know, <laughs> to, to uh, you know. And that's when, that's the silver lining for us that's, you know, kept us going, too, is what 
we're not doing it this year because of the drought. We, we scaled way back. Um, but, you know, last year in flower, you, you know, you could have seen over 100 different varieties of cannabis in our, in our nursery. And, you know, now we have maybe 40 or 50 varieties of autos that are seeded and almost done. But, yeah, that for us for and for me, like, you know, uh, that's still exciting. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... That's good, and that, you know I see that passion in you, and that's that's what I always like to see when I when I talk to farmers is they always light up when they're talking about strains and creating strains and breeding, and uh, it's good to see. Yeah, dealing with the government always sucks. You know? <laughs> I don't I don't think uh, any across any yeah. industry anyone likes dealing with the government. And you know I like to say that I don't trust the government, but I don't trust the people pretending to be a government. Feels more accurate, you know. So <laughs> you know I. I don't know if we have leaders looking out for the commonwealth of the people and that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's tough to see, especially when you see, uh, when we look into the, the cannabis industry, you can see the, how it's, there was intent written into it about how it's going to protect right, the small right, farmer. And right. that basically just got disregarded. It seems like in the rollout. I mean, it really is unfortunate that, you know, I don't know, like uh, listening to, democracy now and they're talking about the 10 richest men in the world during the pandemic increased their wealth by 400 billion dollars right and like and so many other people like are on the verge of starvation etc and so, you know it it brings to mind nothing other than judas that these people have sold their mother for silver you know yeah yeah it's 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 tough to see the inequality grow greater and greater um and hopefully hopefully you know we can keep fighting for so that doesn't happen in the cannabis industry and that we can keep, you know, the small farmers going, um, and <laughs> not let, not let big can canna take over, take over the industry. Yeah. Um, and so to kind of get into that, uh, cause a lot of people, you know, some people have, are, f believe that the cannabis culture itself is getting diminished with big big companies coming in. What is cannabis culture to you? And do you think it's being threatened, is threatened, or is diminished uh, with companies coming in? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess, what do they call that? Like gentrification, right? Where like people make a cool thing and then there are people, oh, we can take this and make a lot of money with it and then it's gone, you know? But I don't, it's different though with, with the cannabis because this is like a, um, you know, uh, this plant medicine, too. They so, you know, you can use cannabis recreationally, medically, spiritually. Like, I mean, there's still, you know, some, you know, uh, religious sects that you, use it as a uh, sacrament. And, you know, you can't really do that with uh, a lot of other plants mm -hmm. or substances. So I, I, I don't know, you know what the cannabis industry or culture is going to look like, but like there's a, when the, uh, you see it around the area when pears aren't producing mm. people like rip up their pears and plant grapes. And, you know, I would never do that, <laughs> you know? So, um, I guess we'll see. Yeah. But what does it mean? Uh, you know, I, I, rather than looking forward, what has it meant to you? And what do you th what yeah. do you think it is right now? I mean, for me, you know, the cannabis is it's like more than just a way of life. Like, you know, 
there are some people who have dedicated their lives to this and the people who have given their lives to the plan, you know, and have a service to it. And, and what it's provided, I mean, I would do anything to work in this office space, but it's more than just that. I'm like, I'm working with this conscious plant spirit. Um, you know, Dr. Emoto? Uh, not a thought man, no. So he's a, uh, he recently passed away, but he's done experiments with water where like they write love on a water bottle and they freeze it and then they look at the geometry of the frozen water and it changes, like just the word changes the intention of it. And I got to see him speak in Ashland, Oregon like a decade ago and he, he gave a talk on cannabis and how as an industry it could save the planet. So, you know, and like hemp, uh, biofuels and so in some ways I'm really excited. I mean, that we're moving for that hemp's legal is a pretty big deal. And I think that's huge. And then, you know, Luther Burbank, who was a, a plant botanist in Sonoma, you know, he said, apart from scientific knowledge, love accelerates evolution. And I was 24 years old. I was in Santa Cruz, partying for, from back when I would still party for uh, 4th of July. And I get back to the farm here, a little hungover from the whiskey, and I had 60 plants of water. It was just like the old homestead garden. And it's late. I'm watering. I have 10 left. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm getting bitten by mosquitoes. Like, I'm just going to finish tomorrow. But I'm like, then I had the thought, no, I'll finish out of love. So I watered that last plant. I shut off the hove, and I'm hit with this uplifting wave of energy. So it's, you know, in some ways, yes, it, it is being commoditized. It is being commercialized. But I wonder how far that's going to be able to go with a plant like cannabis. Mm -hmm. That, you know, for me, like, you know, yeah. I'm a prayer mat smoker. You know, it's, it's a deep experience you know I'll do like socially too but like you know mm -hmm. it's very introspective it's very um ceremonial mm -hmm. is it almost uh necessary to commoditize it to spread the word more you know i, I don't know because i i think uh, unfortunately that's just the way of the world that we're in right now where every, yeah. every it's you know every industry has been this way you know like how many Small businesses got lost to Walmart or other, you know, Amazon, Amazon yeah. et cetera. You know, so it just it seems to be the way of the world right now, you know. But, we, you know, where we're going, we can't keep going like this. And that's like, you know, we're a Dragonfly Earth Medicine Certified Farm Regenerative Agriculture, and, mm -hmm. which, you know, we, but we got a ways to go. We got build, bridges to build to, to get there. Mm -hmm. Um. But regenerative agriculture is definitely one of the solutions we face. And, yeah, I mean, we can't, as a world, not just in this cannabis industry, like, we can't keep going on with these big business models. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem to be working. Like, I know. For like, everyone. And, well, in, like, a lot of commercial farms don't make, like, I think, like, wheat, corn, and um, soybeans. Like, they wouldn't be profitable if it wasn't for uh, subsidized. Being subsidized and stuff like that. You know. I've heard something yeah, like something that. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, you know, but I know it's not good for the, you know, if we're, even if you are profitable, but you're depleting the topsoil on the planet, like, yeah, I think we need to redefine what's profitable because some of these, quote, profit, it's theft. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's being stolen from the, from the planet and the people here. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Yeah. So if it's not sustainable, it can't be profitable. No matter how much money you're making, it's not profitable. Let's mm -hmm. uh, focus where we're at right now. Um, you, we're in the southern middle mountain. Oh, I think we're on the northern. 
end of Middle Mountain. The northern end of Middle Mountain, yeah. Appalachia. Uh, can you tell the people, you know, about this region? Yeah, yeah. Why would why it produces great cannabis and why you know? Definitely. What's what's so be, what's beneficial about this area? Well, I think right where we are at this in. Let's just zoom in a little further. Let's look at our particular microclimate in this Appalachian, which is we're at 2,300 feet is the first garden down there up to 2,400 feet. And we're on the northwest slope um, in a mixed forest, like pine and oak up there. If you go down to 1,700 feet, it's you know colder earlier. And if you go up another 500 feet, it's colder. And, and so, you know, we are in this, like, nice little banana belt for our region, which... And then we're on the northwest slope, so we get a good amount of shade, but also a good amount of sun. So, you know, you see these farms now, they put, the, what is it, like, the agribond over their mm. stuff to, like, shade it out to make the terpenes better. And and there's data coming out of the labs for, like, being in a pine forest that will increase your uh, terpene production. Um, the... So our particular, you know, terroir, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it produces um, high quality cannabis. Yeah, it, yeah. So you, yeah, especially being you said being surrounded by pine has has been shown to produce yeah, good ter- better terpenes. Yeah, and then you know, like we're not just straight north slope; we're like northwest, so we're open yeah. to the open to the west. Mm-hmm. And our particular elevation, we you know, we get. Um, an earlier last frost in the spring, mm-hmm. so we don't have to like the frost damage, and we get a later last frost in the fall. Like the, uh, you know, like um, some of my like I harvested some autos in a greenhouse here for seeds in January that I started in the fall. Did a seed run on them? No, no, no heat, no nothing. They just they took them a lot longer than they uh, needed to because it was cold. And so, but mm-hmm. they finished. The seeds finished. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And then the, the, talk about a little bit about the the name, Heart Rock Mountain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it just happened. Mm-hmm. You know, but I've been collecting heart-shaped rocks since I was, like, a little kid. <laughs> uh, and so there's definitely, like, we could look around here. We'd probably find some. And so this was uh, just in the medical days, and it was me and one other friend here, like, working and like, living in this little shack, and we had a landline. And... He just started answering the landline Heart Rock. <laughs> and then my dad started calling it Heart Rock. And then, you know, when we went legal and we needed, and we did the um, C Corp, mm-hmm. uh, and we needed, you know, the where Heart Rock Farms was taken. And so we went with Heart Rock Mountain Farm. Mm. And yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You can feel the love around here, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, and this is where I'll share the, the, one of my Heart Rock poems. If you, yeah. Uh, this is called Heart Shaped Rocks. The most beautiful heart shaped rock I ever found, I gave away. The very instant that I held it, I went looking for someone to give it to. For this is what you should do when you find perfect love. Just give it away. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you get out of it what you put into it and... Yeah, if every, you know, everything is consciousness and energy and, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool, cool. Um, so now let's dive into the important stuff. Let's talk about the strains, what you got growing for this season. Yeah. What you've been growing. Uh, if you want, you know, talk about them, uh, introduce the people to them, talk about the, the terps, the noses, mm-hmm. and what people could expect from them. Yeah. 
Um, you know, we're trying to just keep it. Well, that's, and that's the fun thing about having like a nursery because mm-hmm. you get to play around with stuff and then, oh, wow, this is like good. And then we bring it over to the production side. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're like behind us is the um, blueberry Afghan diesel, which we're calling sour Afghan now because it doesn't have a blueberry note. It has like a real sour, but also like more like the af. It's got like this spiciness to it. And it's a nice sativa dominant hybrid, you know hitting over 20%, which matters, I guess, nowadays, you know. Just for, yeah, just for the yeah. basic consumers. And they, and they get pretty decent size, and uh, it's a fun cultivar to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are third-generation seeds and, and really consistent for the third generation. Sometimes you don't hit consistency till you know, mm-hmm. four, five, six, seven, you know, where you can, like, this is just, it's pretty blendable. Yeah. Um, and it's Afghan, so this is this is part of the heritage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. I mean, the stuff that we're growing, we're growing some genetics from not our farm mm-hmm. that like friends have made and stuff. Like, um, we have some coffee plants, those are, like shorter ones over there that was originally created by Pacific Roots up in Washington, but mm-hmm. we got the green source selections from Green Source Gardens, um, and that's an. I grew that in my nursery last year, bred up the seeds. It's really beautiful. Uh, you know, like lime green. It's got like this kind of funky smell going on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, are you uh, doing a batch for this year? Yeah, we yeah. have. We, yeah, we have. Uh, we'll have a um, a batch for production. It, it was a winning. Awesome. What, what was that? Co- coffee? coffee with a K. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. And what's uh, is? Do you know the genesis of that? I do not know the genesis mm-hmm. of that. You know. To hit up Pacific Roots, <laughs> it's all good, all good. And so you have the coffee, you have the is it the sour Afghan? Yeah, sour Afghan. And, and anything else out this year? Yeah, and then we'll just um, we got our Blue Thunder, which is a blueberry Afghan, mm. and we're we're doing a smaller batch this one. Unfortunately, like it's a tougher one to sell because it's only hitting seventeen percent. But I think it's some of the most potent stuff on the farm. That, you know, it sends you to the moon. Awesome. Um, a really nice blueberry nose, though. So it's like. This one's been bred to have like a really blueberry dominant nose, where the sour Afghan's been bred to go more like the Afghan uh, smell. There aren't even in this particular line of it. I haven't focused on the diesel or the blueberry, but really hunted for that, you know, heritage stuff. Oh, awesome! And we're growing uh, Lemonhead from seed from uh, Kelly um, up in Willis. He works with Leaf and Boxcar. He created the Lemonhead, and that's a Tahoe OG with a Kim dog crossed with another local OG. Awesome. Um, that one's one of the nicest OGs I've ever grown, and it's probably the highest testing thing we have on the farm. Yeah, lemon yeah. heads, a lot of, you get a strong lemon or a strong citrus? No, it's like a slight sweet Meyer lemon undertone, mm, but you, okay. you got that gas overtone. Yeah. Um, and I, Sonoma Pacific picked that up from us, and it's in jars and available throughout California. Awesome. Um, and then I've crossed that in into the Lion Claw Autoflower, which is a fun one of the exciting projects that I've been working on. Kelly and I hunted through about fifty males and tested like twelve of them to find a really high THC stud, and so I just made the F three of that, so it's fully auto now, and you know, I think two more years, and we might have an auto lemon head. Awesome, awesome. 
And then for the other full turn plants, we have um, uh, Velvet Perps from, which was another one we didn't make. That's from Sunroots up in Covalo. It's okay. 100% purple, really beautiful. Yeah. We got a little plot of that. Um, we have a very small plot of uh, Love Laughter, which is a CBD strain I made. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so Soulful and Sebastopol's been picking all of that up. Mm -hmm. um, That's Love Laughter? Yeah, so it, that, and that uh, is Valentine was the clone, mm -hmm. um, which is, I believe is from an ACDC um, pheno hunt. Um, and I crossed that with a Lenny's Laughter male, mm. and I thought... Love laughter sounded better than laughing Valentine, which kind of sounds like a bad date. You know? <laughs> and that's nice. It's like an energizing CBD, uplifting CBD, and it's like a fifteen to one. Awesome. Um, yeah, I think it's good to offer the the high CBD strains. Yeah, as well. Yeah. And then we got a little plot of Swazi Gold, mm. which also Soulful and Sebastopol has it's been picking up, and we got those seeds from uh, a woman in Boonville who her neighbor sourced them. Oh, okay. And uh, it's nice. It's like some of the best sativa I've ever smoked. Swazi Gold. Yeah. Sounds like a name after me. <laughs> <laughs> and then we are growing uh, Jedi Knights from... Uh, Arcana? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I sp spoke with them earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that's it for our production strains. Awesome. That sounds like... And good amount yeah and then you know we have our nursery yeah which um we have about 40 different types of autoflowers that um i've created mm -hmm. and you talked about the little bit of the lemon head that you're yeah. doing the r&d anything else that you're super excited about that you're diving into the r&d right now yeah i mean so i'm just now getting into it like crawling around my hands and knees and taking notes because they're just starting to really Mm -hmm. So the ones that I've, I mean, the auto blueberry afghan turned out, it's turned looking phenomenal. And mm -hmm. then there's um, the auto lemon head with the auto turbo diesel, which turbo diesel has this like really orange nose. So that one smells like orange peels and gas. And mm -hmm. so that's exciting. And there's some, yeah, uh, one of our, um, my strain banana jack I mean, is turning into an auto flower and the banana jack is a lemon banana sherbet male um, with my blueberry Afghan diesel Afghan jack, mm -hmm. which had more like a pineapple oh, okay. nose to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So keep keep looking into those and maybe in a couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, it's with the legal market, it just became harder and harder to sell seeds that weren't stable. So like a lot of my stuff just being like put over to the nursery to breed with. Like I have that blueberry Afghan diesel, Afghan Jack, which is called Pine Ave. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm still working with it and breeding with it. And, yeah. and the banana Jack, I'm still working with it and breeding with it. And, um, you know, so many other. <laughs> yeah. So when you are, uh, you know, pheno hunting, hunting for different strains or cultivars, what are you looking for? Uh, what are the qualities? Outside, you know, you're obviously looking for production, and are you, do you also take taste and effect in account? What do you take in account when looking for that? Well, it's all about the terps, really, you know, but for me, 
Yeah. But now it's it's not just about the Terps if you want to try to sell it on the rec market in California. Yeah. Well, know? hopefully that's hopefully that's changed. We're trying to educate educate I consumers. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but it's nice, you know, to have some, you know, high testers in, in yeah. the brochure and and to still, you know, I've always done what I was been passionate about and bred what I'm passionate about and what I like to, you know, like I've never been like when I remember conversations with my friends you know, 17 years or 15 years ago. And they're like, oh, I can't grow my seeds anymore. I'm growing clones. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. You know, that <laughs> seems like a bad idea, you know. But, you know, yeah, sure, take some of these designer genetics, breed them, work with them. But, like, I've never given up on the seeds. Yeah. And yeah, it seems like a good call to keep your heritage, especially if when you're, you, you are a small craft farm, you be able to keep that lineage going. I think that's, you know, I think... At least me as a consumer, I, I, that's what I would look for personally. Yeah, and, and that's nice, like working with shops like Soulful that really educate their consumer base and, like, you know, and, you know, hopefully being able to bring our goods directly to market, like that, you know, and to, you know, make it through all the hurdles and hoops and survive as craft farmers. Yeah, there, there are plenty. Um, and then, so, yeah, we discussed the, the type and the strains. Talk, talk to, to us, tell the people about your growing process. You mentioned regenerative uh, growing, uh, dragonfly organic certified. Yeah. Explain that to the people. Explain the process, your growing process to the people. Yeah, so it's, you know, one of the beautiful things about regenerative agriculture is like, it's simple. Yeah. And even before I got into like regenerative agriculture, I remember um, going to this little workshop at a festival at Hog Farm up there in Willis, and there was like the the talk was you know cannabis do no harm, and just because it's organic doesn't mean it doesn't do any harm. And you know I already stopped kind of using blood meal and bone meal naturally because it just didn't feel right. And then you know then I hear about like oh there's like antibiotics and hormones and that stuff. And but even then it's like you know bat guano. It's like it's not fair trade. It's harvested from active mines. And the workers don't have respirators and. So just to be um, becoming aware of what you're inputting into your garden was, uh, you know, a, a huge big first step. And then, you know, going into like the regenerative agriculture sign and, you know, getting into no-till and, you know. Explain uh, to people what regenerative farming and no-till farming is, if you will. Yeah, I guess, you know, the opposite of it is, you know, like a lot of these commercial agriculture, like we're building soil and microbiology and life within the soil. Whereas like a lot of farm, a lot of commercial farming just de depletes or they're bringing in tons of inputs and they're feeding the plants that way. Where in regenerative agriculture, you're more feeding the soil and you're taking care of like the, the ecosystem and the, and the microbiology. And you do it in a really simple way, you know, like, you know, cover crops and, you know, in, a lot. I think most farms still input like you know straw and manure, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, like and then you could do some trace minerals every once in a while. Like one they really recommend is C90, and but you know cannabis is one of the most over fertilized you know crops out there. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we we do the no and no till. Like we're seeing the results from like going three years in a no till. Like every year the terpenes get you know get higher because that microbiology that you were just like pulverizing if you till it just stays intact um and then 
you know, some of the, we use the broad fork to like loosen up the soil. And then sometimes uh, we'll double dig a plot, like especially as we're developing some of these newer areas, you know, kind of, it would, it would be quite an effort to try to double dig the whole farm, but we kind of been working our way around little plots and seeing good results with that. And that keeps, you know, your microbiology and more intact. And you're not doing that every year. Like you're doing that maybe once on a plot. Like, what do you mean by double dig? It's a, it's a technique where, you yeah. know, you just dig one scoop and you flip that over and then you dig another scoop out and then you flip a, a, the sec, your third scoop into the bottom of that one and you mm. kind of okay. move, move around your plot that way. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you're just, so if I could try to summarize it. Yeah. It's, it, so essentially no-till and uh, regenerative is you're not going at grounding up the dirt uh, every year you're, and you're using cover crops to re, to feed the soil, regenerate the soil into uh, to provide the nutrients with it rather than putting yeah, your own inputs in there. I believe you can't really be uh, a regenerative farm if you're tilling. And then, yeah, so you're closing the loops, you know, which... So then, yeah, you're growing, like, your cover crops, you're doing your natural inputs, you're making your compost tea or your chop and drop, like, you're growing, you know, a variety of plants. And then, you know, having flowers for pollinators is a big part of... I mean, you see it now on, like, commercial farms. They do, like, a flower strip. Mm. And then, uh, like, moon gazers in Redwood Valley, they're friends of ours, and they have one of the healthiest farms I've ever seen. They don't spray. They don't release, release beneficials. They just got a ridiculous amount of flowers. <laughs> uh, and you, when you, in an open-loop system, you can exploit it. And that's part of the problem. Like, look at like McDonald's. They're exploiting the rainforest and exploiting labor here. And like, but it's so spread out that you know you're not. Well, we are starting to see the effects of this. But like, in a closed loop system on in a community or on your farm, like you wouldn't if you took too much from one part of that, you're going to feel the effect right away. So you, you know you're just keeping that balance and that harmony, and then you start to receive the abundance of nature, and it's like it's infinite because you know, the sun brings energy in from the universe and we capture it, capture it in leaves. We take those leaves, we put them in the soil and various plants or like ferments, chadams. Um, you know, you can, you just keep going deeper down the rabbit hole. Yeah. 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 No, I, I understand we can go deep down the uh, rabbit hole, but I appreciate you kind of giving us a, an idea of what, you know, what you're doing, what yeah. uh, regenerative and, and then, you know, is. we're also stewarding the land that our farm's on. You know, we're like, you know, thinning the forest and chipping a lot of material and, and using that, you know. And, you know, I hope to someday steward the community and, and go out from there. But, you know, so I think it's, you know, more than just um, a farm, you know. Mm -hmm. It's it's definitely a way of, like, looking at and it's what we have to do to kind of heal the planet that we're in too. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, uh, if there's one, if there's one thing that could, that could help that, that is, that is cannabis to help spread that word. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> has, have you, has your father always grown like this? Have you guys always grown like this? Or was it learning process to figure this stuff out? Cause you said your dad yeah. was trying everything out back in the seventies, but right. Yeah. I mean, it was always trying to do what's best, though, you know, as far as, like, you know, the inputs and stuff like that. And it was just stuff we learned, you know. And and then, you know, like, 
like in Oya and Hugo cultures, we got some of those going on now. But yeah, it's 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 just if you were to like take a commercial farm and you wanted to switch that to regenerative agriculture, you know, and you didn't have a ton of money, it'd probably take like five years mm-hmm. at least to get to the caliber of certification for like dragonfly earth medicine. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay, and uh, so have you been doing this since? You could remember or? No, I mean, we would, you know, add, always add compost, you yeah. know, but we would mineralize, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, variety, you know, a, a farmer told my dad back in the day, you want to put the sands from as many rivers into your garden. Mm-hmm. Like you want this biodiversity and, yeah. and you still want that biodiversity, but you want it with like plants that you're chopping and dropping and then, you know, and then, yeah, I mean, you, you can still... Some some people do mineralize, some people don't. Like moon gazers don't mineralize, and especially when you're doing the hugel cultures. It just takes longer. It breaks down, and you don't need to do anything else but add some straw and some compost. And, you know, there's different, like you want to put carbon on in the fall and manure on in the spring. We, we tend to um, just do it all in the fall because that's where we, when we have a big labor force, so we'll like mulch and compost and then seed everything with cover crops and then chop it and drop it in the spring. Gotcha. And, you know, this year we haven't done so many compost teas. Last year we did a bunch of compost tea with, like, ferments from the land, like, chopping up whatever's. Mm-hmm. You Like, you'd go around, right? Like, we have a bunch of sunflowers going right now. You'd take those and chop those up and, you know, put them in water for 10 to 12 days, let them get really stinky, and then you <laughs> filter that out with the plant material, and then you let that chill for an, another bit of time till the smell kind of goes back to something that's not so repulsive and then mix that 10 to 1 bubble it for a couple of days and put it in the, in the garden okay um and there's some people doing some really you know like uh spring creek farms down in sonoma like he's doing like all, all jadam and he also has like a really healthy looking farm and hmm. um st- there's so much room and variety where you can kind of go in a direction you want to go in regenerative agriculture and I like, you know, it's simple and it's just, it's just love. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then, uh, other than just the love and the style, uh, or the growing process, what, is there anything else that would, they would say would set apart your buds from other buds, uh, people who grow either in this area or, you know, not in this area, indoor, whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the the, the microclimate, mm-hmm. you know, the the terroir, you know, um, which you know is really sad losing, you know, Frenchy cannoli in this industry because he was an outspoken, you know, for the craft farmers and you know they, yeah, I mean, they're it really the soil that you're growing in really matters and they're in the re, the climate where you you know I remember he was telling me like there's these two little Appalachians in France they're not connected they're all the only but they have the same Appalachian, even though they're not connected because of, of the soil and everything. Mm. And yeah, I mean, where we are, the genetics we're growing that we've bred here for this area. And, you know, you could find, you know, we have like the northern end of our farm is our sunnier side. So that's where I'm growing like the Swazi gold, the later season stuff, you know, here on the, on the tree line, you, you know, you know, so it's you even in this Appalachian in this microclimate on this little plot of land that we're growing on you can really 
dial it in in a way and and other people can do that where they are too i mean not indoors you know but like <laughs> yeah you 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 have this relationship with this land mm-hmm. and with this plant and that relationship and that land sets you apart from somebody else who could be growing the exact same thing yeah and, that, and that's what uh, excites me most about I really hope they get the Appalachian program up and running sooner rather than later. So that way people can compare and figure out which, you know, which area they prefer and whatnot. And, you know, that's what really excites me about about the Appalachian program. Yeah. And and how you relate to the plant is a big deal. Like Mm -hmm. I'll bring up Luther Burbank again. He was amazing, you know horticulturalist. Actually, Burbank is in the Webster's Dictionary now to bur- to propagate. You know, he's done amazing things um, for horticulture, and you know, he created uh, amongst he created thornless berries and he created the uh, spineless cactus. And how he did that was, you know, he would just talk to the cactus and he would say, "It is I, Luther Burbank, your beloved. You do not need your defensive thorns. I will protect you." And one generation, you know, the useful plant in the desert emerged in a thornless variety, you know. So it really matters, mm-hmm. you know. But does that matter to the, like, the average consumer? I don't know, you know. But it matters to us. Yeah, yeah. And the, my hope, my, my thoughts is that the Appalachia, the establishing that and being able to restrict who can put stuff the Appalachia on it and be and let people understand the Appalachias they can find yeah. which Appalachia works best for them and that's the hope yeah and the hope is we'll, we'll be there to see that day you know <laughs> <laughs> touche uh, yes uh, uh, speaking about the future uh, what do you foresee uh, both macro and Mendocino of uh, the future of cannabis in Mendocino and the future of this farm. What do you have? What do you have planned for this farm? What, what do you foresee for the future of Mendocino? Well, um, hopefully rain. <laughs> um, you know, we're going to have to figure out how we're going to get out of this. You know, I think the, um, I think about a lot. Um, about the loss of the the redwood rainforest that we had here and the deforestation of the whole planet. And, you know, I think, but the beautiful thing is, is with permaculture, we could, because we don't have a thousand years to regrow an old growth rainforest, but we do have a decade to really put in some ponds and some swales and to catch that water, you know, that the redwoods would give off. They, they'd seed clouds, you know, so I think if we, because if you put in a swales and pond and people are, this isn't like magic there's data on this you put in these swales you put in these mini ponds and in seven years you'll see springs come up that our springs run longer than than they did run and um so the future of the i don't you know it doesn't look good, <laughs> but you know, uh, on the current trajectory. On the current trajectory, yeah, yeah you know. But there's, uh, there's grace and there's hope. Yeah, and and love is more powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, there's opposite but not equal forces. So, and I don't know the feeling I get right now with what we're facing in the cannabis industry is it's a similar feeling that I had watching the ranch fire up on that ridge up there burn towards us from five ridges away. Mm. Something's coming. 
and it's going to radically change the face of this industry. Um, and change can be hard, mm -hmm. but I like to think of like geometry. There is no going backwards. There was only going forwards. And on a smaller scale, what might seem like going backwards in the long run, in the bigger picture, is going forwards. And I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if I'll be here to see that. But, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, um, my grandchildren. <laughs> we'll, we'll tell grim fairy tales about the live the world that we live in right now. <sighs> I hope so too. <laughs> I do. Uh, and like you were mentioning, sometimes you got to take, I don't think, I don't think people realize that it's just, they think too in the short term. And if sometimes you have to take some steps back to get yourself in a, in a proper trajectory. And I think, people have a hard time of thinking of long-term rather than short-term. And I, but I have hope. I do have hope that, yeah. that's, that we're going to get that change and people are going to, we can't keep going the way we're going. Um, There's always more stormtroopers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be something. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I understand that, you know, that in Mendocino is struggling and the future for Mendocino itself doesn't look great. What about you here at the farm? Uh, are you, you know, is there any expansion that you've got go that you're thinking or is there, uh, wh what are the futures future for, uh, heart rock? I mean, the only thing that I'd like to expand here is there are water, like another pond, Yeah, you know, and, uh, but I, yeah, I mean, we're, we've been living paycheck to paycheck, and we have, you know, still some hurdles to get through. And, you know, yeah. like, we just, the company we're hiring for our secret is like, my dad just wanted like eight to 14 grand, you know. And, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tight, but like, yeah, it's a Hail Mary for us, really. Yeah. But one way we have a chance, and one way we don't, you know. So we're just going to, you know, and just going to throw it deep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes that's all you got. That's all you got to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, but all you can do. Yeah, I'm happy. You that's know, uh, for the most part. But it's hard. This is a bit, it's been a hard year. It's yeah, been a hard couple. Of years, and like I feel it. You know, I feel that. Yeah. That uh, that weight. You know, it's, and it's easier sometimes to keep the chin level and, and the heart high than than other days. But yeah. Yeah. And uh, if it brings you any solace, you're not you're not alone. No. <laughs> you know, the, I feel. Most, if not all, growers in this area and not even this area throughout California, if you're a small grower, it's not easy, uh, which, you know, we like we touched upon. They're just they completely disregarded the intent of the of the law uh, in the rollout. You know, the intent was to protect you guys uh, and they completely missed on that. And uh, yeah, uh, but I do. I stay hopeful, uh, you know, um, yeah. the Mendocino, Mendocino has money coming in. Hopefully they, they figure it out. They use that money wisely. They extended the provisional. Uh, right. So, so you have, so you have extra gonna time. There's going to be some other stuff that I'll extend. I mean, for us, like, we need to build, like, we, can, we need to get through CEQA. Yeah. And then we got to build, I think, a, like a 
commercial processing facility mm. for like giant and you know like yeah. out of the, you know I mean we could go ag we might just end up like going ag exempt if we have to you know but like we have employees we'd like to keep them going you know mm -hmm. so, I mean I definitely have contingency plans and <laughs> yeah what was it yeah uh, but uh, yeah hope oh. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, where you know where can people find find your buds? You mentioned this processing. Yeah. Well, so what distributed? You, you know, I, I, I meant to. I need to reach out to um, someone Pacific and, and and see where the um, they're carrying uh, our flour, and then mm -hmm. Soulfuls in Sepasable is a great place to get our flour, and that's you know. We have like working on designs for like our own branding and packaging, but just been so busy building out the farm that you know. So, do you sell bulk? Um, you know, most of it either bulk or co-branded. Co I think okay. this year was more co-branding than ever before, which so we're definitely leaning towards more co-branding and, and packaging. Mm. Um, do you want to let people know what brands so they can you know find 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 your buds? Yes, yeah, Sonoma Pacific um, is the distro that has been distributing. Uh, and then Soulful and Sebastopol. Okay. Okay. Check it out. Uh, do you know if they have the, if you can check on their website, if they could look up, you know, is um, that possible? I will do a post on my Instagram. Okay. After I find out from Sonoma Pacific, what retailers have okay. our product. Check it, check it out. And I'll, you know, yeah. I'll make sure I share that as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then lastly, is there, is there anything that you want to tell me to tell the people listening, uh, anything else we haven't touched on you'd like to talk about? No, I mean, I think that was pretty good conversation. Um, yeah, I could I could leave you with the ode to Luther Burbank and close out. But you know, some I think I've shared this before, but it's, um, it's, it's my poem, my ode to Luther Burbank, called "Love Shapes the World." Apart from scientific knowledge, love accelerates evolution. Luther Burbank. Do you know how he made the spineless cactus? Listen to his words and I will tell you. I often spoke to the plant to create a vibration of love. You do not need your defensive thorns, I would tell them. I will protect you. And gradually one generation, the useful plant of the desert emerged in a thornless variety. So do you see just how love shapes the world? Someday, the future we will inherit is shaped by our collective thoughts and actions. So speak wisely, step tenderly, and love without measure. And someday, when we are kind enough, gentle enough, and every thought and action is imbued with such love, this world will drop its thorns. So yeah. That was great. Thank you know, you. we we got a, a good fight ahead of us on so many levels and and the whole world over and yeah, um, you're doing your part. You're doing you're doing good stuff up here. Uh, yeah, and uh, appreciate you inviting me up here. Thank yeah. you for the time. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for everything. Right on. Cool.